working? Yes. Yes. Okay. Perfect. All right. So today, um, it actually transitions very well from our last song, but we're going to be speaking about contentment. Okay. So kind of sticking with the theme um, from the passage in 1 John, which I'll read, which says, 1 John 2.15, says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So today we're going to be talking about the desire of the eyes. Um, and when we think about what does that mean, the desires of the eyes or the lust of the eyes, you can think of the word to covet. Okay? And so covet basically means a really strong desire for something. And as we think of a coveting, that often entails coveting something we don't have. And so rather than talking about coveting and why you shouldn't covet, because we know you shouldn't covet, we're going to talk about contentment. right? Because it doesn't do any good to put off coveting if you don't put anything into place. Because all you're going to do is then probably find something else to cut. Um, so, what I want to start with, and you're going to get to talk to your neighbors for a few seconds, okay? But, we're going to just start with the first part. How would you define contentment? So, with your neighbor, maybe take about a minute or so and explain how would you understand or define contentment. Go ahead and talk amongst each other. circumstances are good and desiring God more than the other things that we could want. I think those are real good things. Maybe just to summarize all of it is you can think of it as a quietness of spirit no matter the circumstances willingly submitting to God's providence in all things. And I would say it's important to realize what contentment is not. So contentment is not a numbness to life. I think sometimes we think of like somebody that's content is just stoic in all things. 
So it's just, you know, I don't feel a thing. Things can go horribly wrong, and I'm indifferent towards it. Somebody can be hurting. I'm content, so that means I'm not going to help them. Or even that I don't need to ask for help because everything's good, and I want people to think I'm content. It's also important to realize that it's not something that's outward either, necessarily. It's the inward part of things. So it's not like I'm going to put on a smiley face while I walk around and inside I'm really struggling. And I think that as we're going to see throughout here is we have to learn to be content. We don't just all of a sudden become content. So before we go further, you can talk amongst yourselves again. What are the things that we tend to covet? So kind of like Becca was saying, what are the things that we desire that we desire more than God or that we put in equal to God. So things that we pursue, things that we want. Go ahead and talk to each other. What are the things that we tend to covet? What is it that money says it will do for you? For me, it's it's comfort. It's like you know, um, I seek after comfort and what would be an unhealthy, unhealthy way. So. There's a lot more. So I would say, well, oh, that's a great question. Actually, it, I think it could be both. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, idolizing something is, is something that you, you want. Um, but I think I think coveting, idolizing something. Like that. I have a bunch of examples in both categories. <laughs> All right. Could I get some people that would be willing to share what they came up with? What are the things that, what are some of the things, you can be as broad or specific as you want them to be, what are some of the things we tend to covet? Yeah. I think like any step or puzzle piece that like can lead to a, to a future idealization of ourselves. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so kind of like how do I get to the next life stage? Like always kind of looking for the, either what's going to get me to the next point that I will then be content at, right? How do I figure out the contentment? Great. What's a couple more? <laughs> yeah. Something similar, I just said, like, image, so how people view me, you kind of have to, like, being happy on the outside, like, holding stuff in, so, like, that's something that I don't know. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, so, kind of that idea of, honestly, just to put it in the broad category, people, right? We, uh, we can tend to want people to think a certain way about us, feel a certain way about us, or even think that we are a certain type of person. Um, because that can be something we want, right? Or we want to please people because we want people to like us. Yeah, so people's a big one that we can tend to covet. Let's maybe one more. Yeah? Sometimes we can tend to covet things that we have and don't have anymore, whether that's like relational things or just something in our family or whatever. Yeah, so something that we used to have and then maybe we lost or don't have as much of anymore. Yeah, I think these are all really good ones. 
Some of the other ones just to add to that would be we can kind of control. So that kind of goes back to the life stage. We want control of our life. We seek to have control of that. Um, along with that success, uh, we can covet ability. So do we have the ability to do something? We think about like the spiritual gifts, right? And how those are. And Paul talks about we shouldn't be concerned about the other spiritual gifts that people have. Saying, I wish I had that gift. Or saying, my gift's better than that gift. So I think it's important to remember that, that we can covet ability. Uh, there's knowledge. Money is an easy one to covet. Material goods. Someone else's life that they have. Certain relationships or fame, life stages, or even for some of us, we can covet a legacy. So it's like we want people to think a certain way about us or to leave a certain impact on people. And the thing is, with a lot of these, they aren't bad things in and of themselves. But it's how we pursue them, the place that we put them in our life, and what we're willing to do to get to them that causes us problems. And so when we're talking about contentment, what we start to see is that these things are a part of life. We will leave a legacy. We do go through different life stages. We don't just stay in the same place the whole time. However, how we go about that is an extremely important thing. Because if we're constantly pursuing these things and we don't pursue God, then ultimately we're going to be broken by the end of it. And we're going to be worn out. And we're honestly going to feel down on ourselves for not accomplishing the feelings that we want or the goals that we want. Or we're going to hurt others. And so I think it's just important to think through this of what are the things we tend to covet and then how does contentment play into that. So the passage for today that I want us to look at is one we're probably all pretty familiar with, but it's Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Just to read it, it says, the Apostle Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So our first kind of thought for today, as we see it in, the, in verse 11, as Paul talks about it, is contentment has to be learned. And so I think that it's important to think about that because A, it helps us as we go through life, we realize we're not just going to probably wake up and be content out of nowhere. It's going to take time. We're going to have to learn it. It's just like if we're learning something in school or learning a sport or learning something, right? It takes time and we'll get better with it as time goes on. So oftentimes we have to gradually learn this process because it's ultimately a changing of our heart. Right? We can change the outward appearance very quickly. So I can look content very quickly. But ultimately, if there is a change in our heart towards contentment, we're not going to have contentment that lasts. We may be able to be okay when minor things come along, but when bigger things happen in our life, right? when we go from that position of abounding to nothing, right? or when we go from hunger to abundance, because I think that's an important thing, we're often all going to experience certain things on that point. You could look at everyone in this room, and there will probably be times that you will abound, and there will be times that you are low. And most likely, you're going to have to learn contentment in those times. And oftentimes, as we walk through those difficulties, or whether we walk through the success, it's good to know how to be content before we get there. And in a sense, it's kind of like 
if you were going to practice for a sport, right? I think of it in terms of, I played soccer. You would spend 20 hours practicing a week for a 90-minute game, right? So sometimes it can seem, well, I'm probably not going to suffer, so why really worry about it? I'm sure I'll be okay. Or, you know, I probably won't be all that successful, so I don't really need to think about how to be content with being successful. Instead, we want to think of it as we are constantly in our life as we're reading God's Word, as we're going through life with one another and fellowship with one another and community groups, discipleship groups, that we're helping grow. Because while we might be at a certain point right now where we feel like everything's right, there's a good chance that our circumstances are going to change, whether that be when we leave college, whether we go through, keep going through college. So it's important to be thinking through these things. And a good just image that can kind of help you to think about it is if you think about life as a ship, right? And the way that they used to build ship, there was this concept called ballast. And ballast is essentially a fancy way to say weight. What they learned, probably the hard way, is if you put the most of the weight on a ship above the water line, when the storm hits, that ship is going to tip over because all the weight's on the top. So what you have to do, right? And, and that idea of putting the weight on the outside would be kind of like putting it on the outside of us, right? We do all these things to prepare on the outside. Okay, let me make sure I look good. Let me make sure I have all the stuff right. Let me kind of make sure I have all these relationships that make me look good. Let me kind of build myself up. But the idea of putting ballast then below the water line would be like doing heart work and doing things that are on the inside. Because what happens is when that weight is below the water line, when the storm comes, the ship might rock some, but it's not going to tip over because the ship is balanced. And so as we're thinking about it, well, oh, I'm pretty good where I'm at in life now. We can always be adding ballast to the under the water line so that when we do face life storm, or even when we do help others go through life storms, we aren't rocked by that storm to where our ship sinks. And it's just important to think that through because it's very simple to put our confidence in our flesh. It's very simple to put confidence in all those things that we covet. Because those are things that can help us, right? Something like money, you need money to survive. Like, you need money to go through life. So it can be easy to say, I'm going to make sure I have enough money in all my life that even if something goes really wrong, I can cover that. And to a degree, yes, you might be able to cover certain things, but there's still going to be things that you face that money's not going to fill that void. Or a relationship's not going to fill that void. That person that you feel like should love you the most may let you down. And that doesn't mean that you then can't fix the relationship and continue to move forward. But if all your hope is in that person never letting you down, you're going to put not only pressure on yourself, but you're going to crush that person in the process. And so it's important that as we think about contentment, it not only impacts us, but it impacts those that we love and those that we are doing <coughs> fellowship with. So, and then we, talk, we see Paul talk about that. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And so as we think about contentment in all circumstances, again, we have to remember, we are going to face all types of circumstances in our life. And we're going to walk through all types of circumstances in our life. Whether that be... What something changes drastically in the next two to three days or the next five to ten years. We're going to face different circumstances 
And we want our hearts to be prepared to respond to those circumstances. Not just for today, which yes is important, but we want to be growing so that as we do face those circumstances, we find our contentment and our hope in Christ rather than the circumstance, right? Because the circumstance might not get better. Like, if we think about it, a lot of times, the world can kind of be, well, you know, I'm sure it's going to get better. Or the circumstance might say, hey, you know, if you get these 20 things off Amazon, everything's going to get a lot better for you. And sure, to a certain degree, when that Amazon package shows up, you might get happy about it. I understand. However, (laughs) that's not going to bring a lasting contentment to you, right? That's going to just be a quick outwardly change. And so it's important to think about how do I abound and how do I be brought low and inwardly be the same. So as that storm is raging around us, whether it be something good or bad, do we respond in a godly way? Do we care for others in a godly way? And we're going to have a hard time loving others if we're so unstable ourselves in our trusting of God to be able to help them. And so as we think about it, right, we've kind of been talking through these different you know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. We talked through anxiety, the pride of life, those things. And we had this kind of eye on both things. How do I, A, think about it for myself, right? And then how do I help others with it? And when we think about it in that manner, really what we're doing is looking at the two great commandments, right? How do we love God ourselves with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then how do we love our neighbors as ourselves, right? And we want to be kind of thinking through these things Together. So as we think about contentment, really what contentment is helping us to do is to live those two things out. It's helping us to, A, first and foremost, find our hope in God and trust in God so that no matter what circumstances we face, we rest secure in that. And then also because we are secure with God, we're able to help and love others who may be going through difficult times, right? And they may be content, but there's times where we have to still encourage one another. Because contentment doesn't mean that now, no longer, if everyone's content, we no longer have to encourage one another. There's going to be times that we have to encourage one another. We see it as Paul talks about all these different one another passages, right? So he calls us to contentment, but also to care for one another, to bear one another's burdens. So Paul knows that things in life are going to come that are going to be difficult. He's not saying once you're content or once you feel content, it'll be a walk in the park. Yes, how you respond will be different. Yes, how you respond will reflect what Christ has done in your own heart to not only people that you're in fellowship with, but also to unbelievers, right? Because that can be a huge part of our testimony is that while all these things are going on, we're still content because we know that our God is sovereign over all things. And he's not doing something in our life that's unplanned or that we can't handle by his strength. I think the other thing to think about with it is it can, we can often desire something only to get it and find out that we are not satisfied by it. How often in life do we think this is the thing that's going to get us to our next point, right? This is the next step I need to take. We get to that only then to really start to think about what's the next step now I have to take, right? We never really think about how do I walk through life in a godly way, with direction and with purpose, but not so focused on the next step that we lose sight of what God's doing in our life and in our heart right now. And it's this both and kind of thing that can be hard for us to grasp, right? How do I walk with God where I'm at now, 
but also, in a sense, preparing for the future. And when we think about that idea of ballast in the ship again, by intaking God's word, by spending time in fellowship with one another, all those things, those are adding to our walk down the road. So this is how you prepare for your future, right, in a way that's not idolizing the future or saying, you know, once I'm out of college, I will now be where I need to be. Because it's like, yes, you're out of college, you don't maybe have to turn in tests, but now you have to make sure you get your job deadlines met. So it can be easy to start to think in these life stages, right? Or look at something like relationships. It can be easy to think, okay, I have a relationship that I am comfortable in now, but then you know you start to add to it, and then it's like, okay, well now we need kids, and now we need this. And you really miss all this part of your life because you're never quite content with what you have. Right? And, and that's the same thing for somebody that is single, right? It can be easy to think, well, until I have somebody that I can go through life with, I don't know if I can really do that much in my walk with God. Or, you know, God's thinking of me, but once he gives me somebody else, now I'll be really able to do a lot of things. And to a degree, this is, I think, sometimes unintentionally, as a church, we can make it seem that way, right? Like, this is just a little bit of a side road. <laughs> but with the whole marriage conferencing, right, I think that's really great, and it's important, but that shouldn't devalue the people that are single or not married in our church, because there is so much value to it. And in fact, Paul says that there is more value in ministry because you're, you're not tied to anything else. You aren't worried about all these other things with the relationship. So actually, I would encourage you, if you are single, find a way to get involved in church. Use that time that you might be putting towards a relationship and get involved in church. It doesn't mean that relationships and marriage and dating is a bad thing, but don't have that be the sole focus of what you're doing. And don't have that be your motivation for why you're getting involved in church. But rather, use that time, use what God's doing in your life to serve and love others. And now the next thing, I think it can be also easy, and why we can lose sight of contentment is we can think of it as we almost kind of make this deal with God about God... I can glorify you the most if this thing happens in my life, right? And so just to use myself as an example, playing soccer, for a while, I definitely thought, God, if you help me become the best professional soccer player ever, then that's going to be what gives you the most glory. And, and there is this thing where I'm like, I mean, that's a good thing. I think that benefits the both of us. I think that everyone's gonna get, everyone's gonna be benefiting from this, you know. There are a lot of people know who I am, but I'll go by you, so people can be saved. And and I, it's this like I'll make this deal with you, right? Like if you give me the stage of life I want, then that's how I'm gonna glorify you the most. And we miss the fact that ultimately God knows what's gonna glorify him most, and he is going to use us in all different ways to glorify him. So while somebody might have a super successful career in soccer and glorify him, there's also going to be someone who doesn't continue to play professional soccer, right? There's going to be someone that ends up not playing after a year or plays for five years. All of those things can glorify God. But if I'm more focused on the guy who got to play 15 years and made millions of dollars and did all this, then I'm missing what God's doing in my own life. And I'm not content with where I am. And so I think it's that it's important to not start to do this whole, well, God, you know, if you give me A's in all of my classes, then I'll be able to glorify you because, you know, all glory to God that I got those A's. 
And it's easy to get in this mindset of like, I'll be content if you give me what I need. And it's not a big thing I'm asking for. It's just a couple of small things. But then I'll give you the glory. And we miss the point that we're supposed to glorify God in any of our circumstances. And we should have a stillness of heart in any of our circumstances. Which will then change how we approach those things. And in a way, it actually frees us up to pursue those things freely because we're focused on honoring God. So whether it works out the way we want it to or whether we not, whether it does not, we're still able to pursue it wholeheartedly because we're seeking to honor God, right? And that's where it comes back to some of it is discerning what is the will of God. But right as we walk through that and we are, we've prayed about something, we know that this is the will of God or it's in his scriptures as something we are permitted to do, then we can pursue that with peace. We're no longer in turmoil of, I have to get this job and this degree and these grades and have this relationship to be able to honor God. But rather, if we're focused on honoring God, then whether I get the job I want or I don't, I know that my ultimate security is in Him and in Him alone. I think that it's also easy for us to covet the things that we think will protect us and make us happy. Because ultimately, at times, we want to be safe, right? And we know we shouldn't covet things. We know that. That's, we would say that we shouldn't. But I think it's important that we spend time thinking about our actions and how our thoughts might communicate otherwise, right? So if I spend a lot of time thinking about my professional soccer career, even though I said I'm pretty okay if it doesn't work out, right? If I spend a lot of time thinking about that job that I really want, or that set of grades or degree that I really want. And we, we can often miss the point in what's going on. We miss what God's trying to do in our heart. And ultimately, we miss where we should be putting our security. I think it's one of the verses is Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And I, one of the things just to quickly note is when it says for the love of money, if you actually look at some translations, it says keep your life free of covetousness. And I think that it's important. There's a, the love, in, a love of money often meant more than just physical money in scripture, right? It meant a whole different things. It was your status, your wealth, all these types of things. So it's important to think about, we should be content with what we have. Kind of like um, Caleb had said earlier, right? No matter what God's sovereignty has given to us, no matter what God has allowed in his providence, we can be content because we know that he is working all things for our good. And ultimately, that good is becoming more like Christ. So that might mean that we don't have the specific job or the paycheck that we want. But we have Christ, which is far surpasses any of that. I think there can also be the response of, well, it's great that the Lord is my helper, and it's great that I shouldn't fear, and what can man do to me? But there's times where it can feel like God's not holding up his end of the bargain, right? Like, well, God's supposed to be doing these things for me. He's supposed to be providing. He says he will, but it seems like he's not. So, so what do we do in these circumstances? And one of the things is in Matthew... It talks about, talking about Christ, 
It says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. And I think that's important what to realize in that is if our faith feels very fragile, right? If we feel like, well, I'm not sure I have enough faith to be content in all circumstances. I think that's where then it's important to look to Philippians 4.13 of the I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And realize that it's not our own strength that we become content. It's not by our own measure of faith that we become content. But it's rather in Christ that we become content. And when we realize that we have far more than the world could ever imagine in Christ himself, that can help us to learn that contentment. One of the, the other important parts to it, and just in thinking about how God's fulfilling his promise, is Romans 8, 31 through 39. And Paul says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for, all, for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we think about that passage and what it has to do with contentment, Ultimately, that can be our motivation for our contentment. That can be the promise that we rest in. That no matter what happens to us, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, there's nothing that's going to separate us from Christ. And there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ. And then it's again important to remember, as he says early on, right? If he who did not spare his only son for us, won't he also provide the things that we need? So again, we can spend a lot of time trying to accumulate things, and we talked about stewardship recently in Palmetto. But we can do all these things to try to gain all this stuff, right? We think about the, the, the parable of the talents, right? And the, the, three, um, the three sets of talents that are given out, the ten, the five, and the one, was I think through it, right? It would be easy to think that the guy that got one talent can look around at the guys that got... 10 and 5, and essentially be like, hey, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Like, I don't have as much as they do. Or I'm not going to invest it where I should, or I'm not going to take some risks with it because I only have one. These other guys have a lot more. So, obviously they're able to do it a lot more. But I just have the one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury it, protect it, and we'll be good to go. But I think how we can think about that in terms of contentment is seeing that oftentimes when we become discontent with what we have, when we're not thankful for the one that we do have, and we become focused on the five and the ten that the others have, we often miss the focus. It becomes less about how can I steward this money well and more about, oh, I need to protect this in case I lose something. 
And so as we think about our circumstances, it can be, okay, I need to make sure I protect these things that I have and maybe try to add a few more, but, you know, I'll never really have as much as this person will. And so they're, of course, going to be able to do more for God because they have more. And we become so focused on who has the ability to do what rather than just how do we steward our lives well and how do we walk with God well in our own lives. And with the gifts that God's given us, how do we love God and how do we love others? And so I think just as we think about this in terms of practically, what are some of the things that we can do to help learn this contentment? I think we have to realize that it's going to take time. So it's not just going to be a learned thing. An idea for this would be you think about a river that's running along the rock, right? And at first, the water just runs along the top of the rock. But over time, the current, the water, the strength of the water wears down the rock to where you start to get things like the Grand Canyon, right? Because that eventually, that, those kind of things, but we often don't see that. And if you went and looked at it every day, you wouldn't really notice it, right? You wouldn't notice the difference in the start of the Grand Canyon. It would just be like, the water looks like it's at about the same spot as it was, right? It's only after you look back after a number of years that you kind of see what God's done. And so the first thing to think about is spend time reflecting on what God's already done in your life. Because it can be easy to look back and say, here's all the ways that God has provided for me. So I can be sure that he's going to continue to provide for me. Because God doesn't just drop us off after a college and say, I hope you guys figure it out from here, right? He stays with us. He is always with us. So we don't need to fear what man can do or what life brings because our hope is in something greater than that. Another thing that we can do is spend time reflecting on essentially kind of asking ourselves questions. This can be helpful to see is just think about these questions. And as we learn and as we're learning to do this, we might have to ask ourselves these questions daily. Right? Because we need to take this time to grow. And so the questions are, what did I receive that I did not want? So as you think about it, as you go through your day, at some point in the day, there was probably something that happened or that a situation that arose that you didn't want to. Right? Whether that be you had a conflict with a teacher, whether that be one of your friends, whether that be they forgot to cook your pizza all the way through, whatever it might be, right? There can be those things where we got something that we didn't want. And then, what did I want that I did not receive? So oftentimes we go into the day with expectations, right? There's certain things where it's like, I want this out of today, or I'm hoping to gain this out of today. But at times, we don't get that thing. And I think it's important why we should spend time with this, is because it's important to think through those things, because A, we start to see a pattern, and so for some of us, we might not know what are the things that I tend to covet or what are the things that I tend to put my hope in. And so by reflecting on these questions, you might see a pattern, right? And it's okay that you see a pattern of this is what I tend to covet as long as you then start to work on those things. Because I think sometimes it can be like, well, if I don't really think about it, then I'll probably be okay and then there's no really reason to grow. So we accidentally stunt our own growth by trying to more avoid rather than realizing it's going to be hard work. We're going to have to work on our heart. And at times it's not going to be the most enjoyable thing. 
but it's worth it in terms of our godliness and our walk with God. And then the last part is, how did I adjust my desires to fit this, the situation, trusting in the sovereignty of God? And this one can just be helpful to say, you know what, today, I actually responded really well when that person dumped their drink all over my lap. Like, I, I decided it was okay, like, I responded well, I helped them clean it up. Or you could say, I was furious, and I did not respond well, right? And, and there's times where, by being reflective, and even being reflective when we know that we didn't respond well, that then helps us to then the next time we can respond well, right? Because we think through these situations, or we are being prepared for these situations and circumstances we faces, face, and figure out how do we respond well, knowing that ultimately God is sovereign over all things. And he's not just sovereign over the big things of like, what job am I going to get? But he's also sovereign over whether that drink ends up in your lap or not. And that might be a hard thing for us to sometimes think about, or it might be kind of a weird thing to think about. But ultimately, God's sovereignty is great news for us, because we know that there's nothing that's out of his control, and there's nothing that's going to happen to us, or that has happened to us, that he is not sovereign over. And I think that it's important to realize, too, that even if there was sin involved in the past, that the blood of Christ on the cross covered that, so we don't have to live in the guilt and shame of that, that can, in a sense, keep us from coming close to God, thinking, well, I'm never going to be worthy enough because of this thing that happened, or I'm never going to be able to have that fullness of a relationship with God because of this thing that happened. So I think that we want to make sure we're understanding God's sovereignty and the grace that he's given us through Christ on the cross in terms of our daily life. Because again, this might take a long time in terms of just slowly building to it, right? We're going to be learning, so that means we're going to make mistakes. We're going to have times where we don't respond well or we realize we aren't content. So the important thing is to continue to grow, and that's kind of the process of sanctification in ways, right? How are we becoming more like Christ daily? And I think it's important and helpful to think through those things, right? Because if we never really measure where we're at or think about where we're at, then we're not going to really know ultimately where we're going or what we're doing. And so it's important to think through these things. And I don't mean that you have to spend hours and hours contemplating your life beyond belief, but... I think that it's okay to spend time reflecting on our own heart and even talking to others about our own heart. And if there is something where you're like, you know, I'm really having a hard time with this, then I think that's where we need to, to realize that that should lead us to prayer and spending time in God's Word, but also that should lead us to talk to one another about it. We don't have to struggle and be discontent by ourselves. And I think that's the important part of relationship. Our faith, while there's an aspect that is individual, is not designed to be solely individual, right? We are supposed to do it with one another. And so it's important, and it's okay to say to somebody, hey, I'm really struggling to be content in these situations. Or I'm really having a hard time with this thing in my life. Or I'm anxious towards this. And being able to have those discussion and that openness with one another is going to help not only you grow, but also both of you grow, right? Because then you're doing it for one another. Now that person's spending time praying for you, and you're praying for them, and we're really helping build one another up. And I think it's just important that we, we understand that oftentimes things in our faith and things like contentment are going to start small, 
but it's really the consistency of it that matters. So, so it can be, well, you know, I read my Bible and nothing seemingly happened, right? Or I prayed and nothing seems to be going. And my encouragement to you would be to stay consistent in it. And, under, and, and it's okay to bring it up with other people of, hey, I'm feeling a little bit discouraged by this. Or I'm feeling discouraged by that. Because often another perspective is what we need. Right? Because we have different strengths. We have different abilities. Right? So there's going to be times where we need one another. And that doesn't mean that you're a second class Christian by any means. And in fact, it's that humility and that openness with one another. And that humble attitude that we have that would show that we're growing in Christ. Because my security is no longer in what these people think about me. But my security is in Christ alone, which allows me to love others and also to be loved by others. Because oftentimes it can be easy to love other people, but we don't really want them to know our own hearts. And I think that we have to think through these things of, as we take these steps in our Christian life, think about the consistency of it rather than the quantity of it. It's great if you read through multiple chapters of the Bible a day. It's great if you spend hours praying. But if there's no consistency, then ultimately it's going to dry out. Whereas when we stay steady, kind of like that idea of the river and the rock, right? The river eventually wears the rock down, not because of how hard the water's going, but rather the consistency of that water. So I think it's just important that we, as one another's, Right, And as we think about one another, make it so this is a place that you're able to talk to people about having a difficult time. And in a way that's not like, well, hey, I really hope you get that figured out. Um, or, or even, I would say, that doesn't mean that you can only talk to the leaders about it. Right? As leaders, we'd love to talk to you about it. So if you want to, I'm not saying don't talk to us. But it's okay to talk to one another about it. And it's good to go below the surface with that. Because then you're able to have relationship with one another. And while it is this scary thing of, well, if this person knows what I'm going through, how are they going to look at me? It's also a very freeing thing to know that ultimately our security is in Christ, but also that this other person knows me, knows my heart, and still loves me and cares about me. And as you build that culture, and as you build that idea of togetherness, that only really deepens everything, right? Because again, you kind of, the whole idea of the rising tide raises all the boats, right? So those who are weak in their faith doesn't mean that you're less of a Christian or that you're less saved. It, it might mean that you need to have somebody help encourage you, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's an important aspect, right? Because oftentimes what we're going to find, right, there's going to be times where we abound in our faith, and there's going to be times where we feel like we've been brought low in our faith. And I just want to encourage one another to care for each other and to love one another. Because we're called to in scripture. But ultimately that helps us to find our contentment in Christ. Rather in all these outward things that we feel like we can add to it. So with that I will pray. and Father thank you for your work. Thank you for time together today pray that we would uh, open our hearts to you, most importantly, but also to one another, and that we would care for one another, and um, that at times it can be difficult to be open, but that you would give us the strength to find our security in you, 
and that that would allow us to not only grow closer with you, but also closer with one another. And I just pray that as we go about this week, that we would seek to honor you in all that we do, and that our hearts would be content with any circumstances that we face. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.